And um, let, let me just share this before we get into the word today. Um, this morning, um, Sandy said that we've got three children, three girls, so pray for us. We, we need it. Um, <laughs> especially me, you know, completely outnumbered in the house. But this morning, um, a few weeks ago, Jenna, who's in uh, brownies, and if you don't know what brownies are, there's guides and brownies and rainbows. And so she's in brownies. And a few weeks ago, they planted a sunflower seed. And she brought it home, and she's been looking at it. It's been on the windowsill, and nothing's been happening. And she keeps looking at it, and every morning she looks at it, and nothing's happening. And she looks at it, and she looks at me, and well, we're doing everything we need to do. It will happen. And this morning she came in, and no word lied, literally this morning, suddenly this green shoot has come out. And she was so excited, look, 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 what's happened? And this morning as we were worshipping, to me, I see the green shoot coming out in terms of Family Church Waterlooville. And I'm just so thankful because in 2019, we stood, I stood here and I, on our first Sunday morning here, I gave out a seed to each and every single person who was here. And uh, I see it, Chris and Sandy have still got it. I see it on their fridge or wherever it is. And um, it said, you know, do not despise the day of small beginnings because we know what God will do through that. And so that seed in, in 2019 was planted. Then something came along, I don't know if you heard of it, called COVID. Um, some of you may have heard about it. And then, you know, when you plant a church and suddenly a pandemic comes. I mean, we had a few challenges when we planted Haven, but we didn't have a pandemic, global pandemic come along. But do you know what? Chris and Sandy, Pastor Chris and Sandy, have just been so faithful in doing what God has called them to do. And so we're thankful for you. And what I see today is the, the green shoots coming out. But do you know what? It wasn't in 2019. It was actually in 2009 when we planted Haven. And I stood in front in our first Sunday morning in Haven, far less people than there is here today. And I said, isn't it great what God's going to do with us? And isn't it going to be great when we outdo this building, we move to different places? And wouldn't it be great when we plant in Waterlooville? And there was like about 10 of us, and they're like, okay, should we just do this service, and then we'll come on to Waterlooville later on? But what was happening in that moment was a seed was being sown in the ground. A seed was being sown in faith. And as we've been singing about the faithfulness of God, I'm so thankful that this morning we dro I drove, dropped the, my girls off for setup. Um, at the Empower Center, having a building that we own through the goodness and grace of God, a miraculous story of how we own that building. Drive over here and seeing what God is doing. So I want to encourage you with what God is doing in and through you and what he's going to continue to do. And there will be a time when you plant out of here into another location. But in the meantime, the reason that that seed has grown is because, you know what, we, one sows, one waters, but it's God who adds the increase. And I want to encourage you in this season as a, the green shoot is coming out to make sure that your people who are coming alongside Pastors Chris and Sandy and, and sowing and watering, and as we do, we're believing for God to add the increase and continue. Amen? Amen. Amen. Excellent. We ready for the word this morning? We ready for the word this morning? Excellent. I'm used to very responsive people. I live in a household with two teenagers and a seven-year-old, so it's a noisy environment, and I work best that way. Proverbs chapter 4 is where we're headed, and we're continuing our series on uh, pathways. And before we, we go into word properly, let me just share um, a story that I shared and haven't a couple of weeks ago when we began this pathways um, series. And this story takes place in 2008, so some 15 years ago. And there was one man in this story, he was a, a young, intelligent, vibrant, strong, muscular 
man, for argument's sake, let's call him Steve this morning, just for argument's sake. And he had a, a beautiful bride, um, just for argument's sake, let's call her Kirsty. And um, she was heavily pregnant at the time. It was late summer, and it was a boiling hot day. You know those moments where it's just scorching? It was a boiling hot day. She was heavily pregnant. We decided to go for a walk in the forest. And it was mainly Steve's idea. When I say we, obviously, Steve and Kirsty decided. Steve decided to go for a walk in this forest. And so they're walking, and they get to this intersection in the forest on this boiling hot day with his pregnant wife, different pathways going in different directions. And he looked, and he thought, well, let's just go in that direction. And confidently they went on and carried on walking. They came to another intersection with different pathways. And Steve looked and thought, which direction? Okay, let's confidently go in this way. And this continued and continued until they were kind of an hour and a half into the walk. And Steve realized, I don't have a clue where I am. But being a stubborn man, he thought, I'm just going to continue and pretend I know what I'm doing in this moment. And he continued and continued until... Kirsty asked this question that he was dreading. We're lost, aren't we? No, 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 James, Steve. No, 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 we're, we're not lost in the slightest. I, I kind of know where we're going, and, and with confidence, he just pretended he knew where he was going. And then came the next statement that actually was more concerning than we're lost, aren't we? Which was this, well, can I have some water? Because it's boiling hot. Can I have some water? And at that moment, Steve realized that he'd actually drunk the only water that was available, and the rest he'd left back in the car, along with the rest of the food. Cue a very uh, impatient, hangry, uh, pregnant lady and Steve praying more than he's probably ever prayed before and they eventually found their way back to the car in the car park. Sometimes in life, you will go down a wrong pathway and it won't mean a lot other than you have to grovel to your wife. Other times, there's pathways that you go down in life where you will end up completely and totally lost in life and it will have long-term ramifications for you. And so we're in this series of teaching, this short series entitled Pathways. And here's the key question and the key thought that I want to put to you today. And I want you to be thinking on this as we journey for our thoughts this morning. It's simply this. What path are you on and where will it take you? What path are you on and where will it take you? Now, this is why it's important because who you are today is a result of pathways that you've previously walked down. And who you will be in your tomorrow will be a direct result of the pathways that you choose to walk down today. Amen? Amen. Who you are today is a result of the pathways you've previously walked down. Who you will be in your tomorrows will be a direct result of the pathways you choose to walk down today. Now, for many people, and maybe if you were to be honest this morning, this would include you, you would say, well, do you know what? I don't actually give this much thought. Many people don't live their lives of any sort of intentionality. They're just thinking, well, hopefully one day I'll end up where I'm meant to be. Hopefully I'll end up in the place that God has for me somewhere out there in my future. And there's no intentionality to the way that they live their lives. And yet the Bible tells us that God calls us to be intentional about pathways. Because clearly some are God's directions for our lives and pathways that he calls us to walk on when others clearly aren't. So Proverbs 4 verse 26 is a key verse for this series. Let's read it together. It says, Give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Give careful thought. The Amplified says, Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet. And so in this short series, that's what we're encouraging and hopefully equipping you to do. 
to be intentional about the path that you choose to walk down and the path that you are currently on. Because we want to end up in great destinations for our lives and for our families. Now, today we're going to remain in Proverbs chapter 4 and we're going to look at uh, a path that Solomon talks about that we should be on and a path that Solomon talks about that we should avoid. Proverbs 4, 18 to 19 says this, But the path of the just, or the righteous, is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And so Solomon says there's two pathways that are before each and every single one of us. There's the pathway of righteousness. There's the pathway of those who choose to walk in righteousness. And there's the path or there's the way of the wicked. What path are you on and where will it take you? Now, obviously, it won't surprise you. Hopefully, it won't surprise you to know that I'm going to encourage you today and hopefully equip you to walk on the pathway of righteousness that God has for your life. Now, what do we actually mean by that? To walk on the pathway of righteousness. And it would probably help us to define, first and foremost, what righteousness is, right? Especially if you're new to church and maybe you think, well, that's quite a big word. What does that actually mean? Righteousness is this. Righteousness is the condition of being acceptable to God as made possible by God. So it's this, this thing of having right standing before the God who made you. Righteousness is a condition of being acceptable to God as made possible by God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He made him, okay, let's just pause there, that's speaking of God and Jesus. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so this is what is called imputed righteousness. Now, that's just a, a fancy word to simply mean this, that through what Jesus did on the cross, a divine exchange took place. But we've got to understand, and we'll remember this next week at Easter, but we should remember it every single day of our lives as those who have been born again, that at the cross, Jesus came to the cross sinless. We came to the cross sinners. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, that when we place our faith in what Jesus did for us, it's as though we died with him, we were buried with him, and we were raised to newness of life with him. And in that moment, we take on the righteousness of God in, through Christ Jesus and what he did for us. We are acceptable before a holy and perfect God, all because of what Jesus did. That's good news right this morning, that you are righteous. Are we happy that we're righteous this morning? And it's not because of anything that you have ever done in your life. Now, here's the problem for many, and here's where they get worked up and get all bent out of shape. They're trying to be made righteous, which, remember, means to be acceptable before God. They're trying to be made righteous through their own ability, through what they can do, through how many times they come to church, through how many times they read their Bible, through how many good deeds they do. And when we live that way and we try to bring upon ourselves what only Jesus can do for us, what are we left with? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is anything that's outside of Jesus. Anytime you find yourself trying to make yourself right with God through your own performance and you're neglecting what Jesus has done for you, you are walking in an element of self-righteousness. 
Now, if you know the Gospels, you know that there were a bunch of people called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were this religious sect within Judaism who were self-righteous. Everything that they did, it was about what they could do. But they made other people feel bad because they didn't match up to their standards, but all it was was self-righteousness. And Jesus had a lot to say to them. Let's just look at one example, Matthew 23, 27 to 28. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautifully on the outside, but inside you are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also appear outwardly righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus didn't mince his words. You know, sometimes we say, oh, I wish that person was more like Jesus and just nice and gentle. Jesus didn't mince his words when he needed to speak to people about certain situations. And here he was talking to them. Why? Because they were putting upon others the self-righteousness that meant that it neglected what God wanted to do for them. So we understand through salvation, we have been given imputed righteousness, which simply means it's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. But then the Bible also tells us that we're to pursue righteousness. Let's just look at that. Proverbs 15 verse 9. It's laying a foundation. It says, The way of life of the wicked is hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. But he loves one who pursues righteousness, personal integrity, moral courage, and honorable character. God loves the one who pursues righteousness. Now, God loves everyone, okay? That's not saying that God doesn't love a one that's... It's a bit like when you say, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, here's some good news. If you're a grumpy giver, God still loves you, okay? God loves all people. What it's saying is God delights in the fact when somebody's a cheerful giver. God delights when somebody pursues righteousness. But hang on, a minute ago, I thought we said we were righteous. So why are we being called to pursue something that we already are? And this is where we need to understand the difference between being made right with God through Jesus and living right for God through living in line with who he's now made us to be as new creations, which comes about by the renewing of our minds. So what does that look like? What does it look like to pursue righteousness and to, to live on the pathway of righteousness? It means this, that we wholeheartedly turn away from sin and we choose in our everyday actions, our everyday thoughts, our everyday words, to pursue and choose to walk in righteousness. So every single day, this is a choice that you make. Every single day in your words, in your thoughts, in your actions, you have a choice. Am I going to walk down the way of a wicked? Or am I going to choose to pursue righteousness and walk down the pathway of righteousness in this moment? Let me give you a few everyday examples. In our relationships, when people say certain things, you're left with a choice. Am I going to walk in the way of a wicked and respond with anger? Am I going to bite back at them? Or am I going to choose to walk down the pathway of righteousness and pursue righteousness and walk in the ways of, that James tells us that we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? We have a choice in that moment. What about when it comes to hurt? 
And each and every single one of us, right, every single one of us in one way or another have been hurt in life by different people. And we have a choice in those moments when we're hurt. Am I going to choose to walk in the way of a wicked? And am I going to choose to get revenge? Am I going to choose um, to be angry about it? Am I going to choose to gossip and bring other people down? Or am I going to choose in that moment to do what Jesus has called me to do and to love my enemies, to pray for those who persecute me? In those moments, we are left with a choice. Well, what about in our thought life? Every single day, there are, are thousands of thoughts that come through your mind. Are you going to choose to walk in the way of a wicked and have your mind bombarded and consumed by things like lust and things like jealousy and things that take you away from God's goodness? Or are we going to be people who pursue righteousness and live in what Philippians... Uh, Philippians 4 verse 8 tells us that we're going to be people who think upon things that are lovely and praiseworthy and pure and truthful. So this is a choice we make in our everyday life, in our thoughts, in our actions, with our words. What path are you on and where will it take you? Now the Bible makes it clear to us that when we pursue righteousness, when we walk down the pathway of righteousness, it will lead to a good destination. If you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn it to Proverbs chapter 11. If not, it will come up on the screen in a moment. And Proverbs 11 is a bit, little bit like, like a Google Earth picture of where you will end up if you choose to walk down the pathway of righteousness. You know, sometimes you're going to a destination, you think, right, I'm going to check it out. You look it up on Street View or Google Earth and you find out what it's like. This is almost a, a, a biblical example of this is where you will end up if you choose to walk down the pathway of righteousness. Here's some, some good things that it says. Proverbs 11 verse 6. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Proverbs 11 verse 8. The righteous person is rescued from trouble and it falls on the wicked instead. Proverbs 11 verse 18. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness and lives his life with integrity will have a true reward that is both permanent and satisfying. This is a good destination to end up in. Proverbs 11, 23. The desire of a righteous ends only in what? In good. But the hope of a wicked only in wrath. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. So according to Proverbs 11, the pathway of righteousness ends up in a destination where we are delivered and rescued from trouble. That's good news, right? Where we are rewarded with something that is both permanent and satisfying, where we end up in a good place, and, a, and we are like a tree of life, that is thriving. Anybody want that this morning? I don't want the alternative, right? What path are we on and where will it take us? Now we started off in Proverbs 4, 18 to 19 and I'm not going to read that again but if, if we could have, have that up on the screen that'd be brilliant as we go through some things. I want to highlight the key differences between the path of a righteous and the way of a wicked. Not just the destination that we end up in that we've just looked at but I want to look at some differences so that we choose today to walk in a righteous way here's the first difference that we need to understand the righteous are in the minority the wicked are in the majority 
but that's okay. It's okay. Right? Notice the terminology that it uses. It talks about the path of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. And instantly it makes me think of the moment where Jesus is preaching in the Sermon of the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 7, and he talks about the narrow path, right? You've read this before, and he talks about the wide path. Now, we know that in that moment he's talking essentially about salvation through him. But it can have a wider context in this moment that every day we're left with a choice, and, and the way of the righteous is narrow. It's a pathway. It's not easy. Anybody who told you, hey, become a Christian, your life will be perfect, you'll never go through any trouble, guess what? They were lying to you. Because Jesus, on the other hand, I don't know how we believe this stuff, because Jesus said, hey, follow me, there'll be loads of trials and tribulations, but in the end it'll be okay. That's actually the gospel of what Jesus said to us. And the path of a righteous is not easy. It's difficult in places, but it's a path that leads, as we just read a moment ago, to a place that is good and satisfying and what God has for us. Whereas the way of a wicked is wide, it's expansive, many are on that road. And sometimes when you're walking down the path of the righteous, it will feel like you're being hit this way and that way, and everybody's running desperately in the opposite direction to go onto the way of the wicked. And guess what? Sometimes that won't just be in terms of a culture of your workplace or society at large. Sometimes that may even be within your own family. Sometimes it may even be within your own marriage. But you feel that you are swimming against the tide. You are going this way and everybody else is going that way. But if you're on the pathway that God has for you, then it's okay. Remember in the days of Noah, after a hundred years of warning, only eight survived. Isn't that crazy? After that long of warning, only eight survived. Why? Because everybody else was on the wrong path, going in the wrong direction. And yet Noah and his family ended up in that place that God wanted them to be. So in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your streets, in your friendship circles, maybe even in your family and in your marriage, you may be in the minority, but that's okay when you know you're on the path that God has for you. Here's another difference. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. You know, this, this thought of light and darkness is threaded throughout the whole of, of Scripture. We know that. And, and, and even though you might be in a minority when you're walking on the pathway of righteousness, you have to understand you have been called to be light in a dark world, in a broken world, in a world that's getting ever darker. You have been called to be light. The Bible makes it clear that you've been rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? The kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. It's a, a kingdom of abundance, and you've been brought out of darkness into light. And so in our everyday choices and responses, whether it's in the office, whether you work remotely and it's on a call, whether it's when you're dropping your kids off at school, whether it's when you're shopping, whether it's with your friends and your family, whatever it might be, we have an opportunity to be light in an ever-dark world. Choose to walk down the pathway of righteousness. Now it goes a step further because it says it's the path of a righteous gets brighter and brighter. The way of a wicked gets ever darker. You know, what, what do we read here that the way of a wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. When people are walking in darkness, you look around, you, you look at the world around you, you look at the people you're surrounded by in this world who don't know the pathway of righteousness. What are they doing? They're stumbling. Yeah. 
Every day they're stumbling. They don't have a sense of purpose. They don't know. They seem to get it all together for a moment and then something else breaks in their life. Or they pursue this career or that. They don't really know where they're going in life because they're walking in total darkness. We, on the other hand, have the word of God that the Bible says of itself is a lamp unto our feet and it guides our way. The world is getting darker and darker. People were stumbling. They have no purpose. But if you choose the pathway of righteousness, here's God's promise for you. Life will get clearer and brighter and your days will be filled with purpose. It doesn't say life will get easier because the narrow path isn't always easy. But your life will get clearer and brighter and your days filled with purpose. What path are you on and where will it take you? Here's another difference. The path of a righteous reaches a glorious destination. The way of a wicked leads to a terrible prospect. Now those are sobering words when you think about it in the context of eternity. That's a reality. We can dress it up. We can make it nice. But people are left with two paths. There's either salvation in Jesus or there's a lost eternity in hell without him. Now we can dress it up. We can word it nicely but that's the reality of what we're dealing with in life that's no point sugarcoating it or making it a fairy tale and that reaction should cause us or that reality should move us to action amen but we shouldn't just look at the lost around us and not think much about it and just shrug our shoulders but we should realize that there's a reality to that but also in this life on this earth there's a relevance to it where do you want your life to end up Again, many people will walk without any sense of intentionality, but let's think about this for a moment. Where do you want your life to end up? If you were to take an honest look at your life right now, is it headed to a glorious destination? Now, we know that it is eternally because we're saved, and if you are saved in this place, then you know you've got a a glorious destination awaiting you. But what about in this life? Because the Word of God tells us that we are called to rule and reign through the one Christ Jesus in this life, not just in the life to come. So are you experienced or are you headed towards a life filled with purpose? Are you experiencing a growing and intimate relationship with God? Are you experiencing vibrant relationships with those around your life? Are you in health in your life, spirit, soul, and body? Are you in financial strength or going towards financial strength that allows you to walk with generosity? Because the path of a righteous leads to a glorious destination. Psalm 1, 1 to 6. Let's just read these words. A little bit like Proverbs 11, another insight on the destination that we can end up in when we choose to walk on the pathway of righteousness. It says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the, uh, sorry, but the way of a wicked leads to destruction. Let's bring this in with some application. Three 
friends, I just want to throw out this morning as we wrap up. The first one is this, that may not apply to many in this room, but if there's anybody in this room and you've never actually ever started on that pathway of righteousness through accepting what Jesus did for you, then in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And I know many of you probably have, but there's many people in this room that I don't recognize or don't know, and I never want to leave an opportunity pass me by without offering that opportunity, that invitation to accept the free gift of what Jesus has done for you. Here's another application. For those of us who have been made righteous by faith, the question for us is this, are we still continuing to pursue righteous living? Do we give careful thought to the way that we're living, to how we're speaking, to how we're responding, to what we're thinking on a daily basis? Now, if as we've been speaking today, you say, do you know what? I'm saved. I do have that glorious destination in terms of my eternity. But I've realized as you've been speaking this morning that I'm on the wrong path in terms of this area of my life or this area of my life. You, you may be in, in great strength in, in this area called, I don't know, finances, but you may be in a terrible situation in terms of your relationship with God. You may be in a great place in your relationship with God, but you may be in a terrible place in your relationship with others. And you know, the good news of the gospel is this, that no matter how lost you may feel right now, God can reroute your life. God is like one of those GPS trackers, right? And let me explain that before I get called a heretic tomorrow on Facebook or something. What, what I mean by that is that no matter how lost you feel, God can bring you back to where you should be. We all know what a GPS is, you know, global positioning system, whether it's a TomTom or a sat-nav built into the car. Yesterday we went to uh, a place called Stourhead in Wiltshire, and I didn't have to think about where I was going. You type in the postcode and you just trust it that it's going to take you in the right direction. Uh, and you turn left when it tells you to turn left, you turn right when it tells you to turn right, and you do all these things, and if you miss your turn, what will it do? It will tell you to turn around, normally, so, you know, turn around when possible, that annoying voice but it will reroute your life to where you should be in terms of where you should be driving. No matter how lost you may feel right now, no matter how many wrong turns you've taken, God can reroute your life. And you ask Jonah, he'll take some pretty desperate action to do so if you need to, right? Jonah was left with a choice. God said, I want you to go this way. He ran in the opposite direction. What did God do? God said, okay, if you're ready now, I'll reroute your life, even if it means being in the belly of a fish for three days, spat out onto the beach, I'll reroute your life. And no matter how lost you feel right now, even if you come to church each week, but you say, do you know what, this era of my life, I am so lost. I have taken so many wrong turnings. I'm in a cul-de-sac and I don't know the way out. God can reroute your life in this moment. And here's the final application that is relevant to each and every single one of us, even if the first two weren't. I want to encourage us, you know, back to what I said at the beginning. Let's make it our mission, individually and as a church community, to let people know around our lives that there is another pathway that they can choose. And there is a saviour who has died for them in order that they can walk on that pathway. What we're doing this morning is not a club. What this is this morning is not a, a social event that we come to once a week. What this is is the body of Christ that God has called to represent him in Waterlooville along with other, every other great church that's preaching a true gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a job for us to do. And I want to encourage you in your view of church, it's not an event 
that we attend once a week. It's a community, it's God's body that he wants to use. And there are so many people walking to Asda right now, getting out of their cars, walking into there, and they have no clue that there is another pathway that they could choose. Or maybe they do, but because religion has represented it and people have talked about self-righteousness, they've chosen to go in the opposite direction. Or maybe they've chosen because everybody else around them is walking on the way and it's so broad and it's so easy and it feels good and so everybody else, and yet they need the church to say, do you know what, there's another way. Not judgmentally, not rebuking them, but to represent Jesus in our towns, our cities, our villages, to represent Jesus in this community of Waterlooville. You know, this afternoon, uh, I'm heading back to Haven, and we're going to go and do uh, uh, the, the drop that we do, an Easter drop, every single year for the last 10 years. And the first year, we, we knocked on those doors. It was almost like you could put Jesus into a, cho- into a chocolate or something like that. They were like, what is this? Who are you from the church? I don't want your chocolate. Now, you knock on the doors, they open up, we have conversations. Well, last time we went round at Christmas, we prayed for the community. What is that? That's people saying, do you know what, there's another pathway. And it doesn't happen just like that. It doesn't happen the first time you connect with someone. That person in your workplace that you said, do you know what, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and you started telling them about your faith, and they just laughed at you, It doesn't always, sometimes we have this picture in our mind that we're going to tell somebody about Jesus and they're going to fall to their feet and the keyboard player is going to suddenly appear and it's going to be an amazing moment that's going to be written about for annals of history. A lot of the time, the first time you approach somebody, they laugh at you, they mock you, they sneer at you, or they just say, no, thank you. But what about when they realize that the way that they're on isn't working? What about when they realize they're in great darkness and they have an opportunity to come back to the one who represented the light to them? Every day, individually, we are that light in a dark world. And together, as God's community here in Waterlooville, we are representatives of light in a dark world. So I want to just pray for you just as we finish this morning. I want to pray for you individually and then I want to pray for you corporately this morning and first of all I'm not going to drag this part out but if there's anybody and you say I've never given my life to Jesus I've heard about him but I've never said yes I want to follow you I want to accept what you have done for me and walk on the life that you have for me or maybe you once did and you wandered away then I'm just going to give you that opportunity right now just as we close our eyes in this place. If that's you, then just, just raise your hand and then I just want to pray for you and I won't embarrass you or bring you forward, but I know most are already walking with God, but I just want to give that opportunity. Okay, thank you. Okay, now I want to just pray for, for anybody here who you say, do you know what, I've gone down the wrong path. I've ended up in some kind of cul-de-sac in this area of my life. Let me just pray for you guys this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, I thank you that you're a gracious God who gives to us what we don't deserve and you withhold from us what we truly did deserve because you placed it upon your son, Jesus Christ. And we just want to thank you this morning that no matter how lost we may feel in certain areas of our life, God, you can reroute us. God, through your word, through other people, through your presence, through your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you can reroute us to where we should be. 
Father God, in marriages, I thank you that you reroute people back to how it should be, to what you ordained for them. Father, in people's careers, you reroute them back to where they should be. Father, and most importantly, in their relationship with you, you reroute them back to where they should be. Lord, for some, restore to them their first love once again. Father, may they be more in love with you than they have ever been. Jesus, we thank you that you've made it possible for us to be right back where we should be. And Father, over this incredible bunch of people this morning, I thank you for what I saw in 2009. I thank you for what we began in 2019. But God, it's you who adds the increase. And Father, I thank you for these green shoots coming up. Lord, I thank you for life beginning to flow. And Father, I just thank you first and foremost for the faithfulness of pastors Chris and Sandy and Amy and the team, Lord, who have just week in, week out, just come and served your purposes in their own generation. Father, I thank you that you are no man's debtor. Father, I thank you that what they have sown is going to reap an incredible harvest. Father, I thank you that there is seed, there is time, but then there comes the harvest. And Father, I thank you that it will be a harvest of righteousness in Waterlooville. Father, I thank you that it will be a harvest of souls. Father, I thank you that it will be radical salvations, prodigals coming home. Father, I thank you that drug addicts will leave their drugs behind and fall at the feet of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that young people will put down knives and pick up Bibles. Father, I thank you that people will know their God and do mighty exploits for him. Father, I thank you that people will be walking to Asda and leave their trolley and just come into this venue, Father God, and hear of a gospel message. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for what you are doing, but Lord, what you are yet to do. And Lord, as we close our eyes, Father God, we thank you that you've given us faith. You've given us imagination to dream of what is yet to be. And Father, I thank you for this room filling up. Lord, I thank you for this room filling up and new rooms being found to house what you are doing. Father, I thank you from this place that new communities will be reached for your glory Father God Father we walk by faith and not by sight and Father I thank you that within that growing numbers it won't just be a crowd but there will be disciples being raised, people being filled with your Holy Spirit people being set free, new believers being baptised Father thank you but one sows, another waters but it's you who had the increase Father thank you that you are the one who builds your house. Jesus said you declared you would build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Father, I thank you that you do indeed build the house. Otherwise, we're just laboring in vain this morning. But God, we know that's not what's happening here. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives individually. And Lord, in the wider community, we pray. Amen and amen.